0: Jesus once said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I have to tell you, the first time I heard that, I thought, that's crazy. I thought he was crazy. But the more you set your life on a course to follow him, the more you realize how right he was, how right he is. Now I'm wondering, why did it take me so long to figure this out? I'm Bernie Diamond, and it's great to be with you again. Today we're going to be taking another look at your life from a different perspective. Giving and sacrifice is an interesting notion, because inevitably, if you and I are going to live in victory, we need to discover that real victory in this life only comes when we develop a generous heart. And the moment you decide to become a generous person, you realise that it's not all peaches and cream. Generosity inevitably involves sacrifice, and sacrifice inevitably costs us something. More often than not, it hurts a lot. So do you still want to be generous? Do you still want to have victory over your cravings and desires by becoming a giving person? It stands to reason that generosity is one of the things that brings victory into our lives, because God is generous, and you and I, well, we're made in his image. Let me ask you this. What was the very last act of creation? What was the very last thing that God did on the sixth day before he rested on the seventh day to enjoy all that he created? Most people would answer that the last act of creation was to make Adam and Eve, to create humanity, God's crowning achievement. And if that's your answer too, then sorry to disappoint you, but it's the wrong answer. God did one more thing before he was finished. Do you want to know what it was? Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 28. So God created humankind in his image, in the image of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over everything that moves upon the earth. What was the last thing he did? He gave the whole thing away. He gave it to Adam and Eve, to you and me. He blessed them with all he had made. Now, that's what I call generous. These days, people seem to be in it, whatever it is, for themselves. Generosity seems to be an old-fashioned concept. Well, in a sense, it's a very old concept. The very first act of generosity happened precisely six days after the beginning of time. It was God's idea. And when you and I live out who we are, created in God's image, by being generous with our time, with our money, with our emotional energy, with our gifts and abilities, then we're living a life of victory. But you see, God, when he looks at your level of generosity and mine, he's not primarily interested in how much we give. That may sound a little odd at first, but it's true. I had an elderly woman write to me recently, and she said this, I'm so sorry that I can't give much to support your ministry. I'm only an elderly pensioner, and I don't have much to live on. Those were her exact words. Now, look, I I can't respond to every letter I receive. I wish I could, but I can't but this one I just had to respond to personally. I was able to write to her and remind her of what Jesus said about the poor widow who dropped her two small copper coins in the offering plate alongside all those wealthy guys who obviously had much more to give. Luke chapter 21 verses 1 to 4. Jesus looked up and saw the rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in much more than all of them. for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty has put in all she had to live on. Don't you love that? Jesus was so excited. he grabbed his disciples, he shook them and he said, in effect guys check this out. Look at this old widow. She gave more than all the rest because they gave out of their abundance, but she gave all she had. Jesus isn't interested in how much we give. He's blessed each one of us with different things and in differing amounts. What he's really interested in is how much it costs us. For him, giving and sacrifice are one and the same. Part of that is because he knows that you and I are enslaved by our desires, and the one way to break that, the one way to set us free, is to turn us into sacrificial givers. But Jesus knows there's a powerful yet very tender connection between our hearts and our wallets. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus said some of the strangest things. Basically, the upshot of what he's saying here is where your wallet is, there your heart will also be. Okay, so I brought it into the 21st century, but you get my drift. You read that and you think about it for just a moment and you have to come to the conclusion that he's got it the wrong way round. Surely the money follows your heart, right? But that's not what Jesus said. He said that your heart would follow your wallet. They're connected. Keep spending on your own self-gratification and just guess where your heart's going to end up. So what's the answer? Well, he gives it to us in the very same breath. Start living your life sacrificially, with the aim of storing up treasures in heaven. In other words, get focused on serving God and other people. Do that, and two things happen. Firstly, obviously, you end up with treasures in heaven. But secondly, not quite so obviously, the power that money has over you is broken. Sacrificial giving of everything we are and everything we have breaks our enslavement. To our own selfishness. And in that one thing, there is so much victory that flows out of learning to become a sacrificial giver. What's sacrificial giving again? It's giving that costs you something. God isn't so much after our money. I mean, think about it. He created the whole universe. He doesn't need your help or mine in anything, no. The thing he's really after is your heart. Not part of your heart, not a divided heart, but the whole lot. Let me share another letter that I once received from a man. It's at the other end of the spectrum from that little old lady who had a real giving heart. This is what the guy wrote. He said, how dare you ask me to support your ministry? Don't you trust God? If God wants you to be in ministry, let him provide for it. Now, on the surface of things, that, that sounds pretty fair until you realize that 99% of the time, God funds his work through his people. The first fundraiser in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 25. God tells Moses to build a dwelling place for him amongst his people. It was called the tabernacle. Great God. So how do you want me to fund that little number? Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 and 5. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to take for me an offering. From all those whose hearts prompt them to give, you shall receive the offering for me. In accordance with all that I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all its furniture, so you shall make it. So let me ask you, is God poor? Did he need their gold and silver and and purple cloth and all the rest of the things he listed there to build the tabernacle? No, He just wanted their hearts. He knew that their hearts were attached to their money and he wanted to set them free to live in the victory that he planned for their lives. You can't live in victory if you're enslaved to your own selfish desires. And when we do let go, when we do start giving sacrificially, something else amazing happens. The blessing of God in all sorts of different ways gets poured into our lives. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put back into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. I used to think that the more I gave to God's work, the less I'd have for yours truly, numero uno, me. But that simplistic thinking just doesn't work in God's economy. Because when it comes to God's blessing, the world's formulas are completely irrelevant. As God graciously led me through the transformation from from being stingy to becoming more generous, a work, by the way, which remains in progress for the Lord, I discovered that the blessing of God began to flow in so many different ways that I simply couldn't contain them. Giving to God is not a zero-sum game. In, In fact, it's anything but. Not only does God love us beyond words, but he wants to be part of our lives, pouring that love and his power out on us so that we can become all that he made us to be. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, The Grace Transformation. And with the life application questions at the end of each chapter, you'll be able to chew things over to really apply God's word right into the realities of your life. Because God's word is alive and active, amen? So I'm praying that he'll have a powerful impact in your life through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or one 300 722 Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.